Stampede. Garner isn't number 69. Recorded 1025 2020. Over the years, I've known a lot of people who have broken the law, and I'm a little hesitant to confess about my own transgressions, but when I look at some of the people who hold a solemn duty to help the people of this country, I've come to the conclusion I'm as clean as wind-blown snow. Yeah, I used to know this guy who objected to paying for a parking meter ticket. So when once he returned, finding a meter violation stuck under the windshield wiper of his car, he drove directly to a hardware store 
and purchased a spray can of insulation foam. You know, that kind of stuff you spray around the window to seal out the cold during the winter. Well, he took that spray can and drove right back to that parking meter. He attached the plastic straw to the sealant can and stuck it in the slot of the meter where you're supposed to put a quarter. And he began spraying that foam insulation. In fact, he went right down the line of all those parking meters on the street and sprayed every one of them with foam insulation. I don't know how you repair a parking meter injected with foam insulation, but I suspect it's a long and arduous task. Now, I'm a law-abiding citizen, and I abhor vandalizing public or private property, especially property designed for employing people. In a metropolitan area, there is literally an army of public servants who rely on the collection and enforcement of parking meters. I mean, parking meters require large numbers of people whose sole duty is to guarantee they have a job working for a parking meter industry. Yeah, you can be punished for a $10 ticket for not putting a quarter in a parking meter. And believe me when I say the people who are hired to work in the parking meter culture know how to collect on that ticket. But that's another issue.
Talking about destroying parking meters may sound as if I've missed the mark about what's important to Americans today, but it underscores a real anger on the part of a lot of people. There are all sorts of signs that say this country is headed toward a breaking down of our governmental system. COVID-19 not only has brought a plague to this country with over 220,000 people dead in less than eight months, it's challenged the economic system that has been in place for over 50 years in this country. Things are changing and worldwide, COVID-19 may bring down governments producing military rule in the midst of chaos. And America isn't immune from what's happening. There are those that would tell you everything is going to be all right, that our country can keep going as if nothing has happened. Well, you can't ignore that millions of people have been thrown out of work, that bankruptcies have spread at record numbers, nearly as fast as infection rates, that suicide and violence have increased. There have been attempts to prevent people from understanding that this is an historic event. At present, it's not even known if people who have contracted this disease will have long-lasting effects to their health later in life. A vaccine may not stop the spread of this disease. But one thing is certain. When an economy is interrupted, as has happened with entire total lockdowns, there will be consequences. And it's not as if this has occurred in a vacuum. The U.S. government has been a debtor country for nearly 50 years, ever since it was granted exceptional privilege with the U.S. currency, the dollar, being established as the reserve currency to the world.
there are people at the top who want to convince us that all we need to do is get back to work and everything will be the same as it was before COVID-19. That our system is strong and the American people are resilient that we hold the keys for success. They'll say, we've just experienced a little bump in the road. We'll get production up and running. People will start making money again. That this thing has just been a temporary inconvenience. We and the rest of the world are going to get back on track. We'll just kickstart the economy and things will be back to the way they were. Well, human emotions, motivation, the prospect of living a better life, that there's a purpose to what we do, has been called into question. Just drink the Kool-Aid and everything will work out. But things aren't going to be all cream and peaches as before. People have to be watched, manipulated, controlled into going back to the business of consuming. You see, it's just a question of reestablishing order. You know, like in the movies, in the courtroom scene, with the judge saying, Order! Order in the court! But the question of an economy based on consumerism has produced some very ugly human behavior. Greed, corruption, and violence are just a few of the qualities that consumerism has brought. And it's been with us long before COVID came to America. Let's not deceive ourselves, because the American people have been seeing a change in human behavior, and they don't really know how to deal with what's been happening. We once were secure in thinking we were safe, that our values were good, that we held something that made us proud of who we were. But consumerism has changed what we once were. We don't need to be good consumers. We need to return to being creators.
as a species, we like to think of ourselves as determining our own destiny. And I don't just mean we Americans, although I'm sure there are lots of people in this country who believe when it comes to claiming a destiny, we have a step up on everybody else in this world. But the truth of the matter is, we have little control of who we are. We started in nature, and no matter what we do, what we build, even the laws we create, we can never erase our origins. We've come from nature, and it's that very condition that defines us. We can't escape that, and we shouldn't divorce ourselves from it. Some of our problems may actually originate from trying to refuse who we are, like building artificial intelligence. But AI might threaten our very existence. In my life, I like to surround myself with nature. I like to swim in the ocean, to walk in the forest, to plant something in the ground and watch it grow. And that behavior brings me closer to what I consider is important. Some might say working every day in an office building for 40 years, behind a desk, looking out at a window at another office building can lead to an empty life. Then again, some people are frightened with exploring the great outdoors. There are a lot of people satisfied to drive home after work and watch six hours of television. But that can result with looking back over the years and realizing time was wasted. Time you can't regain. No, the rules that guide us are deep inside, and to deny that can take us to a dark place. I see a lot of anger with people today, and it may originate from our trusting in something that was nothing more than a false promise. We've set in motion something that has misled us, and I don't know if we can ever find our way home again. Today, there are people in government who, for purely political reasons, 
won't commit to spending trillions of dollars toward assisting people affected by COVID-19. In a two-party system, such as exists in the U.S. Senate, there are political reasons for why one party won't accept the proposals offered by the other in assisting people who are economically suffering. Neither party wants to help for fear they will be losing if they accept the conditions the other party is offering. There have been arguments that to give trillions of dollars will greatly increase the government's debt, a debt, I might say, that is already over $26 trillion. And that's a debt that will never be paid back. So if you want my opinion, it won't matter if the U.S. federal debt is $26 trillion or $50 trillion. The truth of the matter is, some way, somehow, sometime, the U.S. federal debt is going to disappear, and it'll be by a restructuring of our economy, and it will be from what we accept as a new form of currency. Politicians don't want you to see that. They're selfish, only concerned with preserving their own power. They want to keep the system rolling along. They still believe in the system. Politicians have built this debt, and they're unwilling to see it change. But by all historical accounts, what exists today will not be permitted to stand, and remedies, painful remedies, will eventually take place. Artificial intelligence can't replace our connection to the natural world. Consumerism can't replace the value of creativity. And just printing more money to jumpstart an economy can only help people who are suffering in the short run. It's equivalent to applying cosmetics to a corpse. The duties of a mortician are not unlike that of the economic condition of America's debt. Both are concerned with preserving the appearance of a corpse for viewing by the public. So distributing trillions of fiat money to the public won't matter, and it should be done immediately.
This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard the music of Jerome Maras from the 1958 movie Big Country, The Welcoming. You then heard Toots Thielemann's recording from the 1969 movie Midnight Cowboy, then Lalo Schifran's music from the movie Cool Hand Luke, a 1967 recording, followed by the theme music composed by Danny Elfman for the movie Beetlejuice, then another piece from Elfman from the 1988 movie Midnight Run, and a repeat of Morosa's music, The Welcoming. Finally, a shortcut from the introduction to the big country. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.